Zoe Carpenter. She's been on the show before. She's the nation's assistant, uh, Washington editor, and has written for Rolling Stone, Gwenica, the Poughkeepsie Journal. She's an Oregon native and studied writing and environmental politics at Vassar. Uh, Zoe wrote a great piece uh, that was uh, on, on March 9th. Conservatives have a plan for climate change. Pretend it doesn't exist. Unfortunately, that does seem to be the plan. Zoe, welcome back. Good afternoon. Happy hump day. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> Uh, when you look over the past few decades, you write about the seawaters around southern Florida. And we right now have, off the coast of Florida, a tragedy, right? Right now some missing people in our military. But the seawaters around southern Florida are expected to rise by as much as how much, Zoe? And we're, we're talking within a few decades, right? 20 to 30 years. By as much as two feet, and that's around Miami, which is, of course, one of the country's largest cities. And Miami is uniquely vulnerable because of its geology. It's built on porous limestone. So the water is actually seeping up from underneath the city. Um, and uh, that, that area of southern Florida is expecting billions to trillions of dollars of damage uh, to infrastructure. Because that's what I wanted to ask you. What does this mean for the coast? And one of the things is the damage to the infrastructure and the cost, the anticipation of that cost, like you said, billions or even trillions in, with the T there, um, right. uh, to, to repair that damage or restore anything that's been damaged so badly that it can't be uh, repair. What city has the most to lose, which also happens to be the most populated city in the southern part of Florida and where I used to live and started my radio career? Well, that would be Miami. And, and by some estimates, it has the most to lose of any city in the world to climate change. Why? Because because of its uh, geology, like I was uh, like I said, it's it's um, built on on a porous rock, and so not only um, is it close to the ocean, uh, but it's actually going to have problems with water coming up from underneath the city. So there's a whole host of um, flooding problems that the city will have, and then of course you have other things like tropical diseases moving, um, changing the areas in which they they flourish because of temperature changes more uh, increased intensity of hurricanes and, and other things like that. When I lived in Florida, and the people living there now, you would expect with this information, armed with this information, which is scientific fact, that you would put a lot of money, and come up, first of all, come up with a plan and fund that plan in order to strengthen the infrastructure and do everything within your means possible not, not that you can prevent the climate change, but to protect yourself against this erosion and to protect yourself against the billions and trillions of dollars of damage, especially uh, not just in Miami, but the entire southern portion of the state of Florida. So what are the good folks in the red state currently of Florida doing in politics, in charge, the governor's office and state legislators? Well, from, from all of that evidence, it would suggest that they couldn't afford not to talk about climate change. Exactly. Um, however, that's exactly what they're doing. Um, so there was a new report out over the weekend uh, from the, the Florida Center for Investigative Reporting, and that report uh, spoke with a number of former employees at the Department of Environmental Protection who said that after Rick Scott took office, um, he installed a new director at the, at the Department of Environmental Protection, and in 2011, under that new director, there was an unwritten policy um, in, under which employees were told that they could not use the word climate change or they, and they couldn't use the phrase global warming. And some of the people quoted in the story actually said that they couldn't even talk about sea level rise or sustainability. 
They couldn't. So there are certain words. Again, politics over, because this could cost not only livelihood, but human lives. Right. And look, this is, this is Florida's Department of Environmental Protection. So there's everything that they do, essentially, is, uh, has a foundation in climate change. That's the state's biggest environmental challenge. And if you look at smaller, more localized challenges, um, so perhaps uh, flooding that's been going on for a long time, that's only going to uh, be made worse by climate change. So their, their work is intimately bound up with the reality of climate change, but in their scientific reports, in their communications with the public, they reportedly have not been allowed to use that word. Or that Climate phrase. change or global warming. So, correct. How, how do you? So, can they refer to sea level rise or no? Because that's <laughs> the result of global warming and climate change. Well, according to one former administrative assistant, they were told not to say sea level rise and instead to say, "quote nuisance flooding." You know, this reminds me, this reminds me of, of, sorry uh, to ladies who work in the home as opposed to outside and being a mom of two kids and, you know, doing laundry and cleaning my house. It's a hell of a lot of work. Um, I don't need to be called a domestic engineer. As a matter of fact, I would rather be called a domestic goddess. Uh, But I think, you know, what you call it is is ridiculous because in this situation, look, you don't want to say climate change. You don't want to say global warming for something political. Fine. Stupid, in my opinion. Uh, but, um, you know, to not refer to sea level rise as sea level rise, because sea level rise is not necessarily nuisance flooding. It's a lot more than that. So, quite frankly, sea level rise does. And sea level rise is more of the terminology which which scientists, uh, meteorologists uh, would use. Nobody's going to use the term nuisance flooding. Right. You know, from one perspective, this is almost funny. There's something completely desperate about a governor trying to get people not to use this term climate change when it's so apparent that climate change is happening in his state. Um, but, but the implications are really quite dire. Um, if we're at a point where we can't even use the term climate change, then of course we're not doing what we need to be doing policy-wise to, to stop climate change from happening by cutting back our emissions or to protect communities from the effects of climate change. Um, so it's really, it's a funny story on the surface, but it's really quite troubling once you look at the implications. And what are the people supposed to do? I, I mean, how do you deal with the effects and economic impact of climate change, especially when you're talking, uh, whether it be in phone conversations or at press conferences or when you're uh, writing information or trying to even draft legislation or, heck, come up with a plan? With with If you're dealing with the effects and economic impact of climate change, how how do you not reference that or global warming or even the term sustainability, I believe, right? That's a great question. And I think it really points to transformations at environmental agencies in red states across the country. They've, um, in many cases, changed from being um, enforcers of environmental regulation there to protect communities and the environment from, um, you know, polluters to what's called, uh, you know, compliance assistance agencies. So they assist corporations with um, meeting regulations, which really means finding ways to slide under them. And I think that's what we've what we've seen here in the Department of Environmental Protection in Florida. Um, I want to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk more about this. Great piece, Zoe, by the way. Uh, Zoe Carpenter can be followed on Twitter at Zoe S. Carpenter. Zoe is Z-O-E. And the website for The Nation is thenation.com. Back with The Nation's assistant Washington editor right after this, Zoe Carpenter. 
And we're back. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. Zoe Carpenter, the nation's assistant Washington editor, is our guest. She wrote a great piece entitled Conservatives Have a Plan for Climate Change. Pretend it doesn't exist. Zoe, thank you for holding welcome back. And she's not entirely joking when we look at the state of Florida and the seawaters around the southern part of Florida that are expected to rise by as much as two feet in the next few decades. And that will cost billions or trillions of dollars with damage to the infrastructure. And what does Florida do? Well, can't refer to it as climate change, global warming, sustainability. So how do you deal with the effects and the economic impact of climate change if you can't even uh, reference it? Uh, thank you for holding, uh, Zoe, and, uh, and and welcome back. Um, in North Carolina, another very conservative state, and then you reference this and write about this uh, in your article, um, didn't they pass a law that bars the state from considering anticipated sea level rise when crafting policy for coastal areas. In other words, aren't they putting uh, the people of that state in harm's way by, it's not even a belief, it's just trying to be so adamantly right, uh, even when they're wrong. You know, to me, this is just sort of like saying, I don't care if two plus two is four, I don't care if it can be proven, I don't believe it, It, two plus two is not four, and therefore I will ignore it, and if I ignore it, it won't happen, it'll go away, and these states are in for rude awakenings, are they not? Um, uh, yes, certainly they are. You know, in North Carolina, um, the state's Coastal Resources Commission projected that the sea level would rise by more than three feet in the next century on the North Carolina coast. Um, and in response, instead of preparing their state for that inevitability, um, or what looks inevitable at this point, um, the state passed a law that said, no, you can't use projections for sea level rise when you plan coastal development. You can only use historical data. Um, and that was that, that law was passed with a lot of support from real estate developers who would like to continue to be able to develop what are now expensive properties along the coastline um, but may ultimately be flooded. Um, and so it's, it's a pretty egregious abdication of responsibility if you, if you do believe um, that, this, that the science tells us what's true, which is that that area will soon be, if not underwater, at least subject to severe flooding and and storms in the next um, several decades. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell had told the Cincinnati Inquirer in the fall, quote, I'm not a scientist. Listen, I'm not qualified to debate the science over climate change. And, And there's another issue. We have politicians in states and even on a federal level making decisions and making comments that, quite frankly, they are just not qualified to make. And, and to me, that's a huge disservice to the American people, state by state and on a national level. Right. Look, most politicians are not women's health experts, and yet they feel completely justified making all sorts of policy about women's access to abortion and, and to contraception. I, you know what I'm telling you? One man gets pregnant and the whole thing would be a game changer. Right, of course. But that's, I mean, as a, as a policymaker, you're routinely expected to make policy on things that you may not have a degree in. Um, and that's why you have staff. That's why you hold hearings with experts in the field. Um, this is not a problem that's unique to climate change. So saying that you can't make a judgment about what science tells us about climate change because you're not a scientist, it's a very obvious dodge. And um, the positive perspective on that is that it points to the changing politics of climate change, that it's no longer quite as easy to flatly deny the science because the scientific consensus is only growing stronger um, about the the human contribution to climate change and the great risks that it poses. Um, But, you know, at the same time, 
just ducking the conversation by saying you're not a scientist is really no better, practically speaking, than denying the science because it still prevents any sort of policy solutions that might cut down on our greenhouse gas emissions. And this is not just about the state of Florida. This is not just about the states of Florida and South Carolina. And this is not just about the coastline. Let's talk about the public schools. Um, there, there is a move, active campaign, to suppress conversation about climate change, correct? That's correct, or at least to um, put unsubstantiated doubt about the science into curriculum. So we've seen in Louisiana and Tennessee uh, passing laws that allow teachers to present alternative theories to climate change and evolution. Um, right now what's going on is a backlash to new, a, a new federal blueprint for science education in K-12 through public schools. Um, and that science education has lessons on climate change. And so Wyoming was one of the first states, um, was the first state to directly ban the climate standards or ban the science standards because of this climate change curriculum. However, the state has recently backed off on that, um, and it now looks like they may pass another law that says um, that they're open to those to those science standards. It doesn't mean they'll necessarily be adopted, but at least they won't be banned. And there so are this, states, uh, go ahead, sorry, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, this, this does go back, this, this effort to disconnect policymaking and education from climate change. It's not just Florida. It's not just Louisiana and Tennessee. This goes all the way back to the Bush administration. Um, as early as 2005, George W. Bush was meddling in scientific reports to, um, to minimize the link between human activity and climate change. Let's talk about failure, though. Kentucky, West Virginia, efforts have failed against climate change, haven't they? Efforts, efforts against that science curriculum have failed, yeah. Um, so in Kentucky, the legislature passed a law um, outlawing the, the new science curriculum, but Kentucky Governor Stephen Bashir put the standards in place via executive order. Um, and recently in West Virginia, the Board of Education withdrew revisions to the climate change text. Yeah, and, and that was due to public outcry. So see people, your voices matter. Zoe, thank you for joining us. Zoe Carpenter from The Nation. Follow her on Twitter at Zoe S. Carpenter. We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chick intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.